Among the topics House and Senate negotiators are discussing during the conference committee over this year's defense authorization bill, what to do with the Defense Department's third highest ranking position, the Chief Management Officer. The Senate version of the bill includes language that would eliminate the position altogether, but now there is a new bicameral, bipartisan effort to save the CMO. It's one of several news tidbits Federal News Network Scott Massioni writes about in this week's edition of the DOD Reporter's Notebook. And Scott, in last year's NDAA, Congress actually flat out said we intend to get rid of the CMO position by this time next year. So things have not looked good for CMO for quite a while, but it looks like there might be a last-minute reprieve here. Yeah, this is pretty much the only bright spot that the CMOs really had in the past year. There was a previous study by the Defense Business Board, which really just sort of advocated for getting rid of the CMO position. And that was just because it hadn't done the job that Congress was expecting, that the Defense Department was expecting in reforming business practices and in saving money for the Defense Department. So 13 senators and representatives are actually calling on the Congressional Armed Services Committees to reconsider getting rid of this position. And, and what they're saying is that really they just haven't had enough of a chance to uh, let this position do what it should be doing. Uh, if you really think about it, Lisa Hirschman, who is the current CMO, has only been in the position since December of last year. She's barely had a chance to really do much. So they want to give her a chance to kind of work a little bit more within the parameters of what she's been given, especially considering the Government Accountability Office suggested a five to seven year tenure for this position. So they're really just kind of uh, saying, you know, they deserve a chance to give it a try. And also, if they keep rearranging these deck chairs, uh, they're never going to get anything accomplished. And not, not only is the not only is Miss Miss Hirschman relatively new in that confirmed seat, the position itself, I think, has only existed for about two and a half years, which is. I think one of the factors that's prompted, I, I believe, Adam Smith, the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, to also be in a position earlier this year where he said we need to give this a little bit more time. That's right. Yeah, he's taken a little more of a moderate stance. Um, it's Mac Thornberry, who's the ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee, that actually added the amendment that would have gotten rid of the CMO position for the House version of the bill. Now, the Senate version of the bill was already baked into it when the, the version came out, so we don't know exactly who was behind that. But uh, right now, it looks like since it's in conference, this is really the only hope for the CMO uh, is, is that they will listen to this plea from these 13 senators and representatives. Otherwise, the Defense Department may have to uh, send things back up to the Deputy Defense Secretary, which is where these sorts of issues were handled before. All right, switching gears, the Air Force has been talking quite a bit in the last few weeks about the, the wonders of digital engineering and creating e-versions of its systems, and it sounds like they're going to try it with satellites. Yeah, this is something that's going to take a little bit longer. Now, the, these e-planes that they're doing is basically a really advanced software that they can use and really kind of model these planes in a way that they feel is safe for human flight uh, in the computer. And then they don't have to worry about making lots and lots of prototypes and wasting money and then eventually, you know, putting out an actual uh, plane. This just saves a lot of time and, and process there. So they're thinking about doing this with satellites, but they're saying it's going to take a couple years before they do it. The satellites at this point, there's two programs which are classified that they're working on with this. But they say that really the the defense supply and the the industrial base isn't there exactly yet. You know, they need to come around to this sort of digital engineering more. It's not as simple as just trying a few things on your 
uh, computer. It's a really exquisite, magical thing is what Will, Ro- Will Roper, the uh, uh, chief of acquisition for the Air Force, sort of described it as. So, And you know that he, he loves using uh, very exciting in, uh, language. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where he, he wants it to, the way he described it, be a sculpture made with, uh, you know, like, like Michelangelo. So it's got to be something that looks really good. And the, the technology just isn't there for the satellites yet, especially for the businesses. And sticking with Air Force and innovation, the, the sort of innovation hub for the Air Force, AFWorks is getting a bit of a promotion in the Air Force's org chart. Yeah, so they're not becoming a program executive office, but they're becoming something like a program executive office. And that means that they will uh, report directly to the Secretary of the Air Force, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, the the AFWorks has had a lot of success in the past, bringing in commercial companies, also matching commercial money uh, and, and government dollars together so that they can save the government some money and help commercial companies make money as well. So what this memo does is breaks AFWorks into three different branches. It's going to be AF Ventures, Spark, and Prime. Each one of them will be in charge of different things. AF Ventures will focus on sort of courting these commercial companies, much like DOI does, to solve military problems. Uh, the other one will be Spark, which is focused on empowering innovation at the, the innovative edge. So, excuse me, empowering innovation at the operational edge, which will talk to airmen who are out in the field, find out what their needs are, and see if they could figure things out. And they've also been doing things like Spark Tank, which is where they bring in airmen with really cool ideas from squadrons who, you know, maybe they see an issue in their everyday life and have figured out a way to, to uh, change it. Well, you know, they give them this sort of Shark Tank-like experience where they can earn money and, uh, you know, get money for their research. Finally, there's going to be a prime branch, which is going to leverage other unique government resources by working with agencies or emerging markets and programs. Uh, The Air Force's Agility Prime program is going to fall under this, and that's how they're trying to develop flying cars right now. So lots of exciting things for AFWorks ahead. This week, they're also going to be having a uh, conference talking a lot about innovation and that sort of thing. So another thing to look out for. All right, and finally, Scott, last item in this week's notebook. It looks like a new effort in DoD to really get serious about data governance from a, from a centralized point of view. This is a, a long, uh, long view, long range sort of way of looking at things, and it's a, a little convoluted considering it's a one of those deep, dark, secret areas of the Defense Department that not a lot of people pay attention to. The Joint uh, Joint Requirements Office, really. It's the uh, Joint Requirements Oversight Council. And uh, what they're going to do is just try and make uh, these kind of bigger overarching requirements for things like data and software, and then push them down to the services. That works a little bit differently than the way that we've seen uh, this work before, where the services sort of say what they need in requirements. It goes up to the Joint Requirements Oversight Council and then sort of comes down again from there. So, um, you know, this is just sort of a way the Defense Department's trying to make a centralized, uh, big part of of AI, of of software, of data. Um, They want to make it centralized and permeate into everything, and this is one of the ways that they're doing it, by making these requirements ubiquitous throughout all of the services. All right, Federal News Network, Scott Massioni, thanks very much. Thank you. And you can read more in this week's edition of the DoD Reporter's Notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, 
think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.